Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. My name is Tom Baker, and this is episode 121. So when we get to our last segment, which is what's in a number, we will be focusing on the relevance of the number 121 in Oswego Speedway and Super Modified history. And that should be a lot of fun because I actually have sort of an abstract story to share it's it's sort of an incomplete memory from way back when um that has to do kind of with the number 21 and um hopefully somebody will be able to confirm that I'm not sort of misremembering this particular story cuz it it it's kind of a cool story so I'll I'll get to that later um we've also got uh, two guests. We have two interviews here this week. We were able to get both Josh Sokolik, who won the 350 feature, his second win of the year on Saturday night at Oswego, and Andrew Shartner, who won what I think is absolutely the most exciting race that Oswego's had all year um, in the uh, SBS division on Saturday night, just beating out Noah Ratcliffe in a just thrilling battle. I mean, that was racing the way it ought to be. And it was great to catch up with Andrew again. Um, you know, it, it probably would surprise a lot of people to know that um, he and I are both down in the Charlotte area, but we never see each other. It's, uh, you know, life is so busy. We're, we're about, um, we're about an hour and 15 minutes apart down here. And so, and, and obviously Andrew's got his job, which is, as you'll find out in the interview, um, is actually over the border in South Carolina now. And, um, you know, and so it, we just don't run in the same circle very much. So it was great to catch up with him. And that was a lot of fun and great to talk to Josh again, really excited for his progress. So we're going to have both of those interviews for you. And of course, what's in the number, but let's start by kind of recapping things. Camden proud working late tonight. As we record this show, he's literally feeding me results and such to work with. So, um, appreciate cam's help with that when he can't be on the air. Um, so let's start with the small block division and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this cause I will, you'll hear the interview with Andrew, um, but except to say that I was just on the edge of my seat. I actually had the night off um, here where I didn't have a track to be at this past Saturday, um, which was good because I had other work to catch up on. So I spent the day doing that and then was able to dial up the uh, the Oswego show on flow and um, know where I'm intended. But... <laughs> uh, and just was that was some edge of your seat uh racing between Andrew and Noah. Both drivers did a great job. Um 
and and it was just fun to watch. Andrew getting the win. That was his first win since 2017. And, you know, again, you'll you'll hear the conversation. There are probably things that some of the, the newer members of our audience um, don't realize about Andrew and his situation with the car that he's driving. So we'll we'll you'll hear that in the interview. Noah Ratcliffe finishing in second with a 73. Greg O'Connor third in the 90. And Greg is just, it's so cool to see him run running so well now. Um, its uh, He's going to get his share, I believe, uh, before the season's out. Drew Pascuzzi, big improvement for him. Um, running, uh, finishing in fourth with a 72. Mike Fowler, a nice run in the Jeff Carson car. Finished fifth in the 10. Um, Griffin Miller, sixth in the nine, seventh was the 35 of AJ Larkin. Eighth was the deuce of Jordan Sullivan. Ninth was the 66 Derek Hilton. They both came together toward uh, the end of the race. Um, 10th was the 27 of Stephen Bradshaw. 11th, the 62 DJ Schumann waiting for DJ to get to victory lane this year too. 12th, the 89 Tony Pisa. 13th, the 88 of Bad Brad Haynes. 14th, the 26 of Jake the Snake Brown. 15th, the 24 of Tony DeStevens. 16th, the 55 of Carter Gates. 17th, the 77 of uh, Cameron Rowe. And 18th, the double zero of Jude Parker. Heat wins went to Ratcliffe, Hilton, and Rowe. The... DNS landscaping hard charger was Griffin Miller. That is an apt title for Griffin. He is always a hard charger. White's car care, fourth place finisher award, 25 bucks to Drew Pascuzzi. And the Lighthouse Lanes Up and Comer Award. <laughs> Noah Ratcliffe, like I said, uh, I how 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 much pizza and wings can you eat? Um Noah uh, getting yet another uh, Pizza and Wings award. And um, he would love, I'm sure, to turn that into a checkered flag. And his time is definitely coming. We'll talk more about the the battle for the win between Andrew and Noah when we have, uh, when you hear Andrew's interview. Okay, let's move on to the 350 Super Modified Division. Josh Sokolik picking up win number two on the year for him um he uh he is now out front of i think he actually was out front going in if i'm not mistaken but uh, he's out front of kyle perry in the points lead um let's see Uh, again i'm not going to say a whole lot about this because we'll talk to josh about it this one was a cruiser josh got out front and just walked um the car's on a rail right now and josh is driving it like that Uh, Bobby Holmes in the 45 finished in second. The 23 of Jason Spaulding was third. I was real excited to see Jason running so well Um, on Saturday. Happy to see him with that nice finish. Ryan Battle came down from uh, New England and finished in fourth. Um, Good to see him there at the track. Hopefully uh, the battles will do battle at Oswego a, a couple times at least before the classic Kyle Perry finished up in fifth last week's winner sixth of 50 of Dave Cliff seventh the 04 of the wrencher Robbie Worth eighth the 79 Talon Hawksby that is a gorgeous car would expect nothing left less from Joey 
um, Hawksby, but uh, gorgeous car. And uh, if Talon gets enough seat time, he's going to be battling for wins before the year's out. Ninth was the 31 of Nick Barzee. Tenth, the 73 of Noah Ratcliffe doing double duty. Still having trouble sorting that 350 out. Hopefully he'll be able to do that and uh, start running better in that division. Heat wins were Perry and Sokolik. They're kind of the two dominant forces of the season so far. Each would with, um, well, Josh with two wins. Kyle, um, yeah, Kyle now with two wins too. Um, DNS, no, Kyle's got one, sorry. DNS landscaping hard charger, Bobby Holmes in the 45. And the Lighthouse Lanes Up and Comer Award, um jason spaulding you know i i don't know how long like um i don't know how long you you would like if you won that award i don't know if there's an expiration date on when you can sort of cash in and get your pizza and wings but um it just occurred to me that ratcliffe actually now that he's running two classes could in theory win two in one night like (laughs) it's just it's turn into a giant piece of pepperoni or something just crazy to think about but uh jason spaulding getting it and uh good for him his, him and his crew get to um have that so that is the um wrap up in the 350 division there was just no contest in this one josh was on a rail and um and got out and did what he had to do um the super modified division was again this was a veritable cakewalk um dave schulich jr just absolutely spanking the field in the super modified class um this sort of feels like it's pretty much his division right now his world at oswego in the big blocks and everyone else is just kind of living in it now that doesn't mean there aren't other cars capable of winning races but boy when that 95 car is right um i don't know if anybody's got the speed and a feature to touch it at least right now um he's on a rail for sure cruise to victory um his second win of the year brandon bellinger in the o2 finished second and i'm happy to see that brandon didn't he hasn't had a great start to the season trying to defend his track championship so good to see that he um ended up finishing in second the other night that was a good run tyler thompson in the 98 was third and um jeff abold in the 05 finished fourth danny connors in the 01 finished up in fifth and again there's five drivers right there that are all you know they're all feature winners um, but nobody can match Dave on the speed right now. Allison slowed in the 39 finished in sixth. Joe Gozik in the double zero was seventh. Dave Danzer in the 52 is eighth. Ben Seitz finished in ninth in the 11. And thank you. Thank you a thousand times. Thank you to Vic Miller and his team and Ben Seitz for supporting a non-winged or tail wing show at the Oswego Speedway. Um, good to see that. And uh, nice to see that he ended up picking up a heat win. That was fun. Tenth uh, was the 90 of Jack Patrick. Good to see Jack back after his bad crash in the race previous. And he had a lot of uh, bugs in the car the other night, but um, ended up with ten- with a 10th place run. Logan Ravals in the 94 finished 
in 11th. Lumavay Jr. in the 83-12. Timmy Snyder in the 0-13th. 14th in the 66th, Lumavay Sr. 15th in the 56th of Halla Tulip. And uh, Mike Bruce didn't start in the double deuce. I am not sure what happened with that car. Mike, again, has not enjoyed a great start to the season. Um, Danny Connors and Ben Seitz got heat wins. The hard charger was Dave Schulich. 25 bucks for him. And the pizza and wings winner from Lighthouse Lanes for being the up-and-comer was Ben Seitz, who finished all the way back in ninth. You know, and that's... That's the thing that I that I want to say is there are, let's see, how many do we have? Well, if you count Mike Bruce, there were 16 cars. Um, I think that's, I don't think there's any supers that were there that aren't on this feature list because we got Mike who didn't start. So we'll call it 16 cars. And out of those 16, let me see. Um, ben, Jack. I don't know. Has Logan won a feature yet? I can't remember if Logan Rayvalls has got a win yet or not. Ben and Jack have not won. Ulive Jr. has not won. So there's three. Ulive Sr. has not won. There's four. Hallow Tulip is five. So out of 16, if I'm correct, and I'm not, again, I'm not sure about Logan. He may still, I, I, for some reason, I want to say he got a win, but I'm not sure. Um, But there's either five or six. So that means that either... 10 or 11 of these drivers out of the 16 are feature winners at Oswego. So, you know, when you look at the car count, if you just look at the number, it doesn't look that spectacular, right? I mean, there's 15 cars on average, basically. But when you consider the actual competition and the amount of different winners that we've had, um, it's an entirely different uh, perspective on it at that point. And again, really, really good to see that um, Ben Seitz traveled up. And I hope that um, despite the ninth place finish, I hope that they're learning, able to learn a little bit and and get her closer to dialed in because I know they're going to plan on running uh, the classic with that car. So that is a Hawk chassis for those who don't know. So uh, that is the results, of course, um, Round number two of the Wing Challenge series coming up this weekend, um, which will be, what is it, the first, I guess, on Saturday of July. And so you get all the divisions plus uh, fireworks. And who doesn't like fireworks? So um, hope that uh, a good crowd shows up. Hope the weather's better. It was uh, weird watching the track uh, sort of fog up a little bit, and then it went away. But trust me, we've... That came from down here. Sorry, y'all. Uh, I tried not to send it up, but um, I did. I, w- I wasn't uh, successful. Um, it rained literally for a week last week here. We got like seven inches total in in the area of Charlotte, outside Charlotte that I'm in. Um, it was just a miserable week. It rained right into Saturday morning. And as I record this on Monday night, two days later, we've had three severe thunderstorm warnings already today in my county so like it just it's been really a very pitiful summer uh down here in the carolinas compared to normal we 
I think we hit 90 today, and it may have been only the second time. Um, and it struggled, honestly, to be in the 80s. We were 60 degrees uh, some days last week. for high. It was just bad. So hopefully better weather coming for everybody. But that is um, that that is the results. And, uh, again, we'll uh, look forward to the Wing Challenge race coming up. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to hear from uh, Josh Sokolik first. Then we're going to hear from Andrew Shortner. And then we're going to play What's in the Number and have some closing thoughts at the end. Back with more of The Groove after this. Experience the age-old Irish hospitality at LaGroff's Pub and Grill, Oswego's premier local spot to grab a cold one and cheer on your favorite sports teams. Stop in for a nice cold beer alongside some exceptional pub fare. Burgers, wings, chicken sandwiches, Philly cheesesteaks, soups, and more. You want it, they've got it. Served up with more than 40 years of awesome customer service. Have a friendly game of darts against players from across the world. That's right, players from across the world. Where else in Oswego can you go to play darts against somebody from across the world? That's crazy. Watch the games on their eight big screen TVs or just relax at Oswego's Neighborhood Bar and Grill. LaGroff's Pub, 187 East 10th Street in Oswego. Check them out on LaGroff's.com. Welcome back to the Inside Groove as we continue to uh, progress with episode 121. It is great to have Josh Sokolik back on the groove. It's been a little bit of a a break in time here since we last talked to Josh. And um, Josh has uh, stepped it up to the 350 Super Modified Division as a couple feature wins this year under his belt, including one this past saturday welcome back to the show josh it is great to have you on and uh congratulations on your second win of the season thank you thanks for having me so talk a little bit about the season to date i mean it it feels like um it's been a fairly good start obviously two wins to start the season um tell us a little bit about your uh, 350 season so far yeah, this year this year's been off to a really good start. We um we got a handful of races in last year that were kind of just learning, and uh, we knew that you know last year was just get the car out, get going, see where we can get to, and we we took off a lot better last year than I thought we were gonna. And uh, this year's been off to a really good start because we, you know, once you get comfortable with the track in these cars, it's it's just you got to you got to find a different groove. You can't run behind the same people can't run behind them all race so you gotta you gotta figure out with your car what you can do to either get to the top or get to the bottom and and get around the same guys every week and you know they some of the guys you know over their time their their lines change and you know it kind of throws you for a little bit of a loop because you think you know when i when i started racing the class it was so easy just to you know drive under everybody and (laughs) now now guys have figured it out and it's like all right well we gotta you gotta be able to use the top now too and it's it's um it's uh it's really opened up my driving and uh, really helped me progress there. So let's talk about that transition because you started obviously at the Speedway um, in the SBS division and now running the 350s. What's been different for you? What have you had to 
learn about driving a 350 that's different and what have you been able to translate from the SBS to the 350? I mean, I, I'd like to say that everything's different except for the track, you know. Nothing nothing changed with the track. It's a whole different car, though. It's a whole different ball game. you know. You go from, you know, driving the SBS around and it's, you know, big, heavy car that you're, you know, you're letting off early and getting back on it late. And with, you know, 350, you get in it and you, you think you're in it long because you're past the start finish line. But you got guys like Chase Locke and Jeff Battle that are driving to the, you know, the storm drain in turn one or the <laughs> first turn flagger. And it's like, all right, you know, we got some we got some catching up to do here. So, you know, I, I think um, it, I like racing the 350s better because it seems to be more of a, a, a racy or, you know, you know, get up and drive. But yeah, the uh, the SBS, you know, definitely definitely got me going at speedway and uh it was it was great to learn in that and i'm glad we did it i'm glad we were able to get some success before we moved up in those and now um we're we're running these uh 350s and you know we're, we're still learning we want to we want to get quicker every week you know just because we got a win or two this year doesn't mean doesn't mean anything you gotta you gotta keep getting faster every oh, week. of course yeah you gotta keep progressing and keep trying things keep learning things and as you say some of these guys come in from new england and I mean, I know they've had a lot more experience, but my goodness, I mean, um, Chase Locke didn't have any experience when he last year, or at least much, uh, as in comparison. But um, those cars are really fast, and um, it's hard to it's got to be hard to keep up with with those guys for whatever reason. But um, talk a little bit about the top wing and and the overall package in the three fifty. You say you enjoy racing those more. Um, but it, it, as you say, it's, it's such a huge difference in the approach to driving from one class to the other. Um, is there anything about the 350 that you would maybe like to see changed or different? Um, well, starting with the top wing, I mean that, you know, it's, 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 it's great. Cause you know, you, you go from letting off the start finish line and, you're telling yourself you got to drive to there to a certain point or, you know, and uh, that top wing just pushes the car right into the track. Yeah. You know, there's, there's really, there's really no give to it. When you got the car set up, right. You can pretty much drive in, you know, to, to as far as, you know, those good guys are that storm drain or the first turn flagger, you know, and you're not off of it for very long. You're off of it. You're kind of just rolling back in. It. And, uh, I mean, you know, I think, I think the speedway's doing a really good job with the 350 class and, and I, I mean, you know, there, there could be some stuff they could do. I've heard guys, I mean, I've talked with other drivers and I mean, it sounds like a, uh, you know, a couple of drivers here and there have made the same comment. And my dad's made the same comment to me that, you know, we think it'd almost be cool if they put like a, you know, we don't, we're not sure if it would be cool if it was like a old style, super modified tail section on it or the style we have now, but something, you know, maybe, maybe to make you drive the car a little bit more. It's, see, yeah, I mean, I feel like, and I didn't, I don't know if I meant to open up a can of worms, but I may just have, and I didn't mean to put you in that position, but I, I think it's a fair question. What would you, you know, what would you as a racer in that division like see different? I think that's a valid question. And, and you know, it's the, the hardest part for me is, is the fact that I grew up in an era when you could literally strip the paint off of every single car in the pit area and I could tell you, even at five or six years old, whose car was whose by the by the shape of it and, and the bodywork and the design. And now there's no tails. 
and you know or everybody's got the same tail wing and you know and so they're all the same basically there's very little difference from car to car so i would love to see a tail section but i would guess that and i certainly don't know if i'd want to see the tail wing or the 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 yeah the tail wing in the 350s i i kind of like the top wing um but if you're going to take it off i'd like to see them do the retro thing and and uh but that would boy that would it seems it just seems like that would mess with a lot of people's minds because if i was if i was ever to buy the oswego speedway the first change i'd make would be to go back to the old uh the old uh shovel tails and and outlaw wings on supers um in all classes and um you know and then everybody would get mad at me so <laughs> i think you know it just because for me um, I just think it looks cooler when you can have some originality and design um, like they used to. But I don't know. That would be interesting as a driver to oh, see yeah. how they would drive, um, you know, differently, I would think, um, because they're certainly not going to be as well planted. You're going to have to. That's and that's the thing with the top wing that always, um, you know, is it becomes a bit of a crutch. You know, you you have to really work harder with the pedals when you don't have the top wing on the car and um you know they just don't you know you don't have that that big suction cup up there but um but i love the classes it is i was just curious if there's anything you would do different because you you're young and you kind of come out of the modern era and you um really have nothing to reference other than the sbs that you drove um and you know that's kind of are they more of a momentum car then the 350 is it more about momentum with the SBS cars kind of keeping the momentum up they don't really have the drive off the corner do they that yeah no it's 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 definitely momentum at the yeah. speedway i mean you you got to you got to keep rolling and you know if you mess up i mean the speedways the speedways so big i mean i think the supers can get away with it because they got a bit more horsepower and you know they yeah. have to let off quite a bit but those SBSs or the 350s once they're rolling around the speedway i mean if you, you know, get loose or, you know, you're off a little bit, you know, it's going to take another lap or two to get, get yourself back up to speed. And, and that's the tough part being in traffic with the three fifties. Cause it's, they're pretty aero dependent right now and it's, it's tough behind people. And that's what, that's my point of trying to, you know, yeah. find a different line that somebody yeah. else in front of you is not running because you have to. Yeah. That's, you know? which is not a bad thing. I mean, you should, you, but the, the thing is you should be able to run multiple lines um, you know, the, um, I, that, that phrase arrow dependent as soon as that started coming into motorsports at all levels, um, I sort of look at that now, like a cuss word. It's like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, but you got to work with what you got. Um, so what, I mean, is it a goal of yours to, are you, would you like to run a big block super at some point? Oh, I, I mean, I got to think that's everybody's goal at the speedway, you know, that's, that's the top of the class and, and it'd be cool, but you know, where we're at right now, we're we're comfortable where we're at. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna run the rest of the year out and see what happens. But I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, jump into a super modified just because we're showing success in this. You know, I'd like to see the the Jeff Battles, the Chase Locks, Bobby Timmons. You know, all these highly reputable 350 guys come back to the Speedway or you know go out and race Star Classic with them. You know, I just ran a Smack Show at Lancaster and it we were a little down on power with the engine because we have our Oswego crate and they're allowed to, you know, have a built engine, but you know, it's, 
it's a very aggressive, you know, tour. I mean, I, I never experienced anything besides the speedway in a big car, you know, besides Evans Mills, but right. we didn't get to run the 350 there this year. But, um, it, it, I told my dad, it kind of just opened up another, you know, part of my driving that was so much more aggressive. And it's, um, I'd like, I'd like to see where we stack up against those guys coming into, uh, either Oswego or wherever we go, you know? See, and that's interesting too, because I hadn't thought about that, but you do, I, I, I guess when the battles of the world come and run, they do have a different motor package. I, I would, would suspect because, um, it is slightly different up there. I mean, I think the smack tour is different from what they run like it's star and in yes. the others, but, but, I wonder if either of the packages up there are exactly the same as what they run at Oswego. And, um, you know, I, there again, I, I just wish, and I know, I, I think you've either got to make it so everybody's exactly the same, or you've got to have some sort of a, um, a way for everybody to run together evenly. So if you do it with weight or some other way, I don't know, but, um, you know, I think that's the, that's the big thing because I feel like the 350 class is really sort of a class divided, just like the big blocks were for a number of years. And then this year it feels like there's more of an appetite for everybody to kind of come together and, um, you know, and be able to race with each other, uh, and, and find that sort of compromise that works. And so, um, hope that, um, hope the 350s will too, because I know, that uh, you all would have much more fun running against 15 or 20 other cars than eight or nine, right? Yeah. I mean, the smack tour, they have their own engine rules and yeah. it's a, it's a built engine. Very. And then uh, <laughs> star stars running like uh, they're running a crate 604, but they, their uh, engine guy up there. I think they do a couple things to it that I don't think us, we go intended for the guys to be allowed to do down here. Yeah. But, I think the the rules kind of got a little loose over the past year because when we when we were getting into it, we were trying to figure out where we wanted to go for an engine, and we asked them, you know, because we were gonna, if they weren't gonna put an engine rule on what the New Englanders were running, we were gonna get what they're running because why not, you know? Might as well, right? You know, and uh, they we were told that it wasn't gonna be ran or allowed to be ran, but you know that um, that changed over the the off season and it was allowed to be ran, so. We we got a good piece though. We we ordered it from Pace right through Terry Ratcliffe at Speedway, um, and it's it's a good piece. I'd I'd love to see you know in a perfect world, all the three fifties got the same engine, and you know we do have fifteen twenty cars every week. But um, you know the the big blocks like you said they're they're um they're they're starting to work together, and it's it's really cool to see uh, Giant Dakota's little five race series this year. I mean. I, at the first race, you know, you look up in the stands and it's, it's packed. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, exactly. you know, the speedway is starting to, you know, get some people back in the stands and it's, it's pretty cool. So, you know, big, big, uh, big shout out to John McCoach on putting that together and, you know, getting, getting some super modifieds together. It's cool to see them come back and have, have some good car counts. Okay. So you're not closing the door on the idea that at some point, whether it's in 24 or at some point beyond, you may step up to the big block class. Yeah, we'd have to see um, just just funds, you know. We're yeah. we're uh, we're able to do what we do now. Would I love to run a big block? Yeah, but you know, it's um, it's it's quite the jump, and uh, 
you know funds funds to go run that because you got to think you're going to need you're going to need a, a good engine and a good car you know you got to compete with guys like dave Schulich and uh the bellinger crew and all the guys that run up front weekly thompson yeah you know these you know you can't just go out there with the okay car and an okay engine but uh you know and think you're going to compete because these guys you know they're they're serious and they uh they have no problem going out there and running up front so it'd be uh it'd be quite the jump and like i said money wise you got to be able to buy tires every week and you know we're we're in the 350s where we got a tire roll and we get to buy a new set every other week so we're pretty comfortable where we're at now but if the opportunity ever opened up i'd i'd love to get in a seat and try it out and see what happens well it's interesting because i mean I think ideally we all would have liked to have seen the 350 class evolve to where you, you know, you pull the motor out and put different tires on it and go racing as a big block. But of course that's, that's more idealistic than it is realistic for a number of different reasons. And so you can't, I mean, you could, um, we've seen a number of big blocks transition to 350s, but it takes a lot of work. And, um, you know, I suppose you could go the other way, but uh, more practically, you're just wanting to get a big block car. Um, so hopefully at some point we see you uh, competing in the big block division. But until then, we're happy to see you in the 350 division. And you've certainly had a really nice start to the season. And um, it is interesting about how you talk about having to be a lot more aggressive um, with the 350 than what you had to be in the SBS division. Um you know, they're faster cars and, and uh, it just takes a whole different um, approach to driving a race car to be successful in that division, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you, you think you're, you think you're right until those, uh, you know, you mix it up with the guys at the speedway and you think you're, you're making gains. And then the the guys that have, you know, the 350 has been around up, up in new England for a while now yeah. and they come in and they give you a quick reality check and then they leave. So, it's just, it's, I told my dad this year, you know, we're going to go out and do our thing and I want, I want our race pace. You know, when it comes feature time, I don't care about heats. I don't care about qualifying. When it comes feature time, I want to look at our times and see what we're running. Cause you know, they, they were always a couple of tenths quicker than us in the features. And that's yeah. where, you know, we're, some guys were able to keep up with them in the heats and qualifying last year when we rolled out for classic, um, me and, uh, Joey Hawksby, son, Talon, we went out and practice and uh qualifying we were faster than them but then it, it comes race you know race time and their race trim if you call it is just, yeah it's it's so much better than than what we figured out around here but i think um i think this year we got we got the car rolling really well joey hawksby helped us uh square it up at the beginning of the year and you know told us a couple other things to try to maybe make the car a little better and it, it certainly has so well i think we're uh i think we're on a better path this year to keep up with those guys so i'm pretty excited for when the, they come in to see if we can uh, mix it up with them this year yeah i wish uh i wish we'd start seeing more of them it's good to see ron battle there and uh yeah it's interesting you mentioned talent and it's like you know it's just a matter of time he just needs he needs a lot of seat time obviously it's a big adjustment out of a quarter midget into this kind of a car and um it's going to take some seat time but um, he's got two generations of uh, dad and grandpa who are both really good super modified racers. So um, I, I don't doubt that uh, it won't be too long before we start seeing the 79 running up front. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's a, it's a great car and it's just a matter of what you said. He just, 
he, he took to it very well when he got out in the car and he was running some good lap times, but it's just going to be him getting comfortable out there with cars. And it, I mean, as soon as you get comfortable out there with cars and then it's just, all you got to do is, you know, learn to run the top, learn to run the bottom, get by guys. And you know, it's a matter of time before, like you said, he'll, he'll be mixing it up with people, you know? Yeah. It's one thing to be on the track by yourself and go fast, right? It's, 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 um, there's nobody else there. You don't have to worry about hitting the car. You don't have to worry about, you know, being wheel to wheel. You just go out and run your laps. But when you get out there with other cars, then it's, it's not really even the speed. It's just the pass timing and learning how to actually race and pass other cars. And that's, you know, that's the biggest uh, part of it. Talon, obviously, you know, they don't get much smaller of, of tracks in, in anywhere in racing than quarter midget tracks. They're cereal bowls. So Taylor knows how to race close with cars, but it, it, it's about uh, two and a half times the speed probably or three times or four times the speed that he's running in the super. So it's just a different uh, once you get used to it and understand what the car needs from you, then, you know, he'll be there just like Joey and Joe were. And um, he's he's had an advantage that, uh, well, I guess Joey, I would say Joey started out. He had um, good equipment to start with. His dad didn't. His dad started in some cars that were outdated with smaller motors and all that. And really, you know, it it was it was it was close to the end of Joe's career before he had you know, really quality cars that he could run up front with. And, um, gosh, I, I remember, um, one feature for each of them that they, each of them, Joe and Joey had one feature where they took off and were gone and would have ended up winning, but a caution came out for both of them and they ended up getting passed late in the race. So, um, neither one of them ever won a feature at a swiggle, but boy, they both should have. Yeah, no, that's how, that's how it always goes. When you don't yeah. when you don't have that first feature win, it, it it's hard to get that first one. I'll yeah, tell you. it and is. And I felt I felt the same way moving up. Once we got the one in the SBS, it was, you know, it just felt comfortable from there. And then we rifled off, you know, two in the same night, and then two more after that. And then uh, I felt the same way in the 350. You know, you're you're fast, and then it's just kind of stuff doesn't maybe fall your way. Yeah. You know? And then, I mean, I I got the one second week there and and we just got one last week so i i think um once you once you get that monkey off your back it's just really go out there and drive and do your thing i feel like you've got more comfortable with just the conversation too because i remember the first couple times i talked to you you just seemed very shy and now it's like you've kind of relaxed even with the communication stuff which is really cool to see yeah you gotta you know if i'm gonna be doing this for a while i gotta i gotta be able to open up a little bit and you know, be able to talk to people because it's, it's, it's a big world out there. The racing world is, and you know, even, even with fans, we just had autograph night. It's good to see all of them come out and, oh, yeah. you know, have some, have some conversations with the fans before the races and them come by and stop by after and congratulate you. You know, it's, it's really cool to meet people, you know, whether, you know, they're, they're a fan of the big blocks, SBSs, 350s. It's, it's cool to meet everybody there. Yeah, for sure. And uh it's it's great to uh great to have that opportunity and you never know who's in the grandstand with a checkbook. So it's uh, it's kind of important to be right to be marketable, right? So um well great job. Uh congratulations on both of the wins, Josh, and 
I'm sure we'll be having you back on the groove again before the season's out because I have the feeling you'll be back in Victory Lane again. Uh, And we certainly uh, wish you the best going forward. And hopefully someday, if everything falls together, maybe we'll see you sitting in a big block at some point. Who helps you make all your racing happen? Thank you, sponsors and anybody else. Uh, Yeah, we got got a couple of sponsors this year. All Weather Power Equipment, he's been with us for... You know, since I started racing at Speedway, and uh, we got a few new ones: Syracuse Antique Exchange, Lantiques. They came on within the last year or two, and uh, Lakeland Auto has always been a part. Logos Custom Embroidery. Um, we had a new sponsor come on at the uh, Smack Race in Lancaster, Locked and Loaded. Um, nice. Big thanks. Big thanks to them. They were they were half the reason we made that trip. They were able to get us some tires for the race. So pretty pretty cool to them. And then just just the family: my mom, my dad, my sister. Uh, aunt and uncle, grandpa, grandma, buddy, um, Ed Horn, Uncle Kenny, um, drawing a blank, but you know, every everybody that makes the car go fast and helps us get out there every week. Joe Hawksby, Dalton Doyle, they were they were a big part of getting that car together. So big thanks to everybody. Well, again, congratulations on your success to start the year, and we look forward to more out of you before it is over. That is Josh Sokolik, and we'll be back with Andrew Shortner right after this. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indie Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter if you've got something that you need designed or fabricated. Let them help you transform your idea, your vision, and your budget into a workable, high-performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services End-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you. Welcome back to the show, and it is my pleasure to welcome back for the first time, and gosh, I don't even know how long it's been since we've last had Andrew Shartner on the show, but um, I know it's been a few years at least. Great to have you back, Andrew. Congratulations on a very big win the other day that almost had to feel like a classic in some ways just because it had been so long since you'd been in victory lane after a feature. I think the last time you had me on is probably the last time I was relevant, which was uh, <laughs> seems like six years ago now. But uh, no, it definitely was. Uh, we talked about that in terms of biggest wins and stuff, and it felt like a classic win just because obviously it's in a car my dad built, and then just because it'd been so long, you know. And and honestly, I think that was the hardest one I had to work for. Uh, that was that was a tough race for sure. It was tough, or at least it looked sure looked it from Flow Racing, that's for sure. Um, talk about that race with Noah, because there were a couple times, I mean, I've watched you race since you were nine. There were a couple of times 
um, toward the end there where it looked like he definitely had a faster car and you were making your car as wide as you possibly could. And I thought, oh, gosh. And then uh, Noah actually really, and I was happy to hear you kind of allude to that in the in the interview post-race because I thought Noah did a really nice job of um, going to the line but not crossing over it with you. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, Noah had a far better car, and, and he has recently. It's uh, We've really struggled to get the car consistent and where it needs to be uh but it became obvious pretty quickly uh once i got back in front of him on that restart there that i wasn't going to be able to just drive my race i was going to have to switch a little more defensive and when you have to drive like that which i don't necessarily like to you kind of get one move uh you know coming out of the corner and then that, that's all really as a gentleman's agreement you should have and then you just kind of got to make that work so if i decide i'm going to come off on the bottom i, I really need to you know, not swerve and, and just kind of choose that line. And I was trying to do my best to, you know, be defensive and respectful at the same time. And Noah in return was, uh, I think, reciprocating that and on the complete opposite end of the scale. You know, he was working my bumper as much as sure. I probably would have uh, if I were in that situation. But he never at any point went over the line. I mean, he did an excellent job. And honestly, it was one of the most fun races, too. I mean, we passed each other a handful of times. So it was pretty neat. What's it kind of been for for you the last few years? Um, that's do you do you know where you kind of got off or got behind the competition? I mean, what is is it just is it dollars to have things that you need or what is the what has been the issue with you? We certainly know you haven't forgotten how to drive. We watch you every time you show up there. You're running the top as well or better than anybody, and you're driving your butt off. But just, to, you know, what's what's sort of been the difference over the last few years? I think it's – I mean, I feel confident as a driver the most I ever have in my career. I mean, I, I don't think that's necessarily the issue, um, as arrogant as that might be to say. But I, I think that a lot of it is – uh, not being able to be there every week. Uh, it's very, very difficult. Uh, I undervalued at first uh, when I was running full seasons how much that helps. You, know, you develop a rhythm. Uh, when you show up once every three, four weeks, it's difficult, uh, I think, really to get in a rhythm right out of the gate and then also not have the ability to be there locally to, to Fast Friday and get the car dialed in. Now, I say all this, and, and Mike Bond shows up once a year and usually slaughters all of us, but yeah. I feel like that's a statistical anomaly. Um, yeah. I, I feel like most people, uh, you know, I think really need some repetition and time to get the car dialed in. And I think it's just, uh, you know, us not running weekly and not having the help that we used to is has really put a strain on our ability to be consistent. So even though the track doesn't change or does it, I mean, are we at the point where the track is, is different from one week to the next? I mean, what is it that um, it, or is it just the fact that the competition gets that extra time to just sort of find that next little half a 10th that you don't get when you're not there every week? Oh, for sure. The track changes. I mean, I noticed that, uh, you know, typically during the summer it gets hotter and greasier and the cars are a little more slippery, but the track will change depending on if it's had multiple races on it without rain or if it's a green track, just like anyone will. But I think that without that extra practice to really try new things, the thing that people don't realize unless you look at the times, and there's a little bit more parity this year because we've got some rookies and stuff, but 
there was a, a period there for two, three years where you could be 12th on the board and only be a tenth and a half off. I mean, yeah. it was just really, really close. And that was frustrating because then guys were fast Friday, you know, quite frequently and, you know, obviously reaping the rewards of that as they should. And we just, you know, don't have the ability to do that now anymore. Um, I'm just out there to be competitive, but uh, not run weekly. And so it puts a little bit of a uh, difficult behind the eight ball approach for us. But that's why I was proud of what we did the other night. You know, we, my dad definitely kills himself to get the car ready. And, you know, I try to do what I can and, we were able to get that win, even though we didn't have the fastest car, but it was rewarding for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. And of course you think, well, I mean, a couple of years ago, you and Brian Sovis split time in the car, but even putting Brian in the car, say for a fast Friday, he may like things slightly different than you would like them. So it's it. I don't know if that really um, necessarily helps a whole lot, does it? No, and, and Brian definitely had a different driving style. And Brian's a very talented driver in um, sure. his own regard. But if you're just a little different, it, it, it can be challenging, uh, you know, with the way the car's set up when you're trying to go back from one to the other. And honestly, uh, I've been, you know, talking a lot with Cameron Rowe lately because I think we're the only two old ones left and um, with gray <laughs> hair at least. So uh, well. he's been helping quite a bit. <laughs> and, uh but in terms of just getting in and out of the car, I think my driving style is most similar to Russ's, Russ Brown, and I, I think that's just because he force-fed me to the way that I, my driving style needed to be, and, and, and so that's why we're so similar in that regard. Uh, so when we've been able to have him test the car, it's been helpful, but I think that's just a byproduct of how we both like to drive the car very loose. Yeah, and that's kind of been your deal almost your entire career, I feel like, and you had a number of years on the dirt that really uh, probably helped that a little bit. And, um, you know, you've always been not afraid to uh, to hang it out there and, and run the top, and you're right. You and Brownie do have really similar driving styles, and um, it's amazing that you would say um, something about you being old, but I guess when you think about it, um, you've been there probably longer than just about anybody else that's left of the class with the exception of a couple. Um, and, uh, it is crazy to think that, but, um, you know, what is your, what is your plan going forward? I mean, I know it's tough, um, because I live where you live down here in, in Charlotte and, um, it's tough to get up there, even just, you know, whether you're flying or driving, it's, you know, there's a dollar figure and then there's the time investment and all of that. And you've got, uh, a job that you, I think you just got a promotion, right? Uh, at your most recent job, not too long ago. So that's probably, it's tough for you to get up there every week and do it. It is. It's challenging. And the money, I mean, when I first started flying up, it's about four and a half times more expensive now than when I actually started my career in the small block. Oh, wow. so that's obviously challenging. Uh, but I mean, going forward, I, I love what I get to do. Uh, the, the plane travel is not ideal. Uh, you know, I, I do hate having to get out of work and get on the plane, and I just want to get home when it's over. But when I'm there, there's nothing I would rather do more than when I'm there, and I enjoy it very much, especially that I get to do with my dad. And I'm at a point in my career where we're trying to get as many wins as we can, uh, trying to make great memories and, and have fun races like we did the other night. I mean, I had a blast, and I would love to mentor 
someone, you know, because I want to pass that knowledge down like uh, Dave Gruel and uh, specifically Russ Brown did for me. You know, I felt like that was a passing of the torch, and I was very fortunate to have somebody guide me. I'd love to do the same. The problem is, is most of the kids now are faster than I am, so there's not really <laughs> much for them to learn. Uh, but that's, uh, yeah, that comes with territory. Well, I've got a I've got a a kid over in the UK running a, a UK modified that happens to be basically a mod light. If uh, if you want somebody to mentor, I can probably hook you up digitally with him, and you can. Uh, although he's already winning, so uh, I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's it is tough, and it's and it and it's you know it's a different whole different division than when you started, right? With the crate motors and everything, it's just um, you know it's uh, it it's. It's just a different animal than what you started with uh, all those years ago. It is. It's entirely different. And most people don't realize that, you know, Cameron and I talk about that because I think we're, like I said, the only few left that have driven on the older tires, the older style tires that we used to run, yeah. as well as the open motors. And, I mean, when, we, when I first started, if you were doing a 19.3, you were, you were flying. Light I mean, yeah. that was stuff's flying. And now, if you're not doing an 18.9, you're in trouble. And so that's really had to, you've, you've had to adapt your driving style a little bit. And I think it took me a little bit to figure that out because I missed that first year that they went to the crate engines. And so I didn't really know what to expect when I came back. Um, you know, we've kind of adapted that a little bit. And I feel like I've had to lean on my experience. I, I, I kind of felt like that race the other night, some things that I was able to do were from experience, uh, just passing cars and stuff, uh, which I had to lean on because we just didn't have the car to, to win um, you know, compared to Noah. But uh, Noah's going to really, I mean, Noah, uh, Tony, there's a lot of them guys in that class right now that are very, very good, and they're just a little green, and they're just going to exponentially get better. And, and I'm happy with where the class is at because I feel like we've needed a few guys, young kids, to come in and, and really kind of start to take over. And I think the class is in a good spot for that. I hope so. I mean, it feels like it. Um, we just need more of them at this point. And, you know, that has kind of its own set of challenges, but we, you know, we're, we're obviously, we've, we've been down on, on car count ever since we went to the crate motor, which I actually thought would create more cars for competition um, and make it easier for people to come in and run. But it seems to, uh, it it hasn't. I mean, it might be easier. To, the crate might be a better move, which I I believe it is. But you can tell me better. But but it just it. You know, I I was hoping that would be the ticket to twenty four plus cars in that division. It just seems to not have happened. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to remember too. You added another class, so if you get rid of the small blocks or you get rid of the three fifties, they all probably consolidate. Uh, and then you'd have a, a you know a big class again. But I, I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying that's what yeah. would probably happen. Um, but I, to be honest with you, I, I really wish we didn't go to the crate motors because okay. I don't feel like it's benefiting. Um, it, it takes into the assumption that they're going to stay the same in price as when we launched this program, and that also people aren't going to touch them. And that that's the value of having the crate engines. And unfortunately what's happened over the years is the crate engines have gone up in price significantly. So the, that argument's not really there anymore. Okay. And you have a situation where these motors are reaching end of life or they need rebuilds or whatever. And they had to figure out how they're going to manage that because we are allowed supposedly to rebuild them and, and just 
have a, a reputable builder, certified builder, put stock parts in them. And, and so we're kind of back to where we were because you have to pay uh, a machinist or an engine builder to do some of the work. And I, I just wish they would go back to the open motors because I felt like they just drove a little differently, um, you know, and, and the value of the crate engine cost-wise just doesn't exist anymore. But with that being said, everybody now has crate engines, so I understand that there's problems with rolling certain programs back. And um, at the very least, I think they could solve the whole problem. One thing I've been pushing for years is to go to harder tires. I wish they'd put the hardest tires they could find on the thing and make everybody drive them loose. But, of course, you know, I, I think that would pull the driver out of a lot of people. I don't, I don't know that there's a lot that backed me on that, but I think that would benefit <laughs> a lot. Well... See, I'm an advocate for hockey pucks all the way around. I think it, I think yeah. every division in racing ought to have hockey pucks because I think I think when you you know when you when you you know run the gumball tires that they're running now in a lot of divisions, um, you know, again, it's kind of like running a top wing; it's a crutch. And um, you know, I think when you take that away and you make tires that that would last longer, yeah, the the, the cars aren't going to handle as well. But like you said we're supposed to be race car drivers. So drive the race car, you know? Um, and so I would, I wouldn't have an issue with that at all. Now I'm going to throw this out there cause I'm, I have no idea, but you, you talked about um, wishing they would go back to the open motor. Is there, is there now a scenario in your, in your mind where um, you could find a way to, to put the crates and the open motors together in some sort of way that keeps them equal um, and and kind of go that route? Not really. I mean, if you had a truly crate engine and you opened it up for these open motors, the crates would get slaughtered. But you can take the crate engines and you can turn them into open motors. That's the benefit of it. Uh, and they could find some happy medium. The argument with the mixing is then you have a problem like you have with the 350s right now where they're trying to yeah. figure out the best path You're forward right. to get everybody balanced there. Yeah. But um, you know, I think that if you just put hard tires on it and make everybody have to drive them, it's going to make it more exciting because people are going to slide around. You're going to have more lead changes, and they're going to have to get up on the wheel and drive it. It hasn't been so much of a problem this year, but there was in years past where people would sticker up and become – um, sticker tire superheroes for yeah. two laps and it would just become problems with the dive bombs and stuff like that but you know I, I truly do think the class is in a good spot the, the guys are getting up to speed quick that are new and, and I do think the competition is pretty good and I just hope it continues to grow well I do too and and I think that you know I, I think that the recipe is certainly there and um, you know I, I just I don't know why I, I realize obviously adding the 350 took some guys away but you know you would think those cars get sold and we you know we had and and we uh, what we're not seeing is a lot of new cars um you know coming in or new people coming in and i feel like there's uh there's a lot of there are a lot of cars out there that are sitting um and we have the same thing obviously in the in the big block super modified division um and um you know you just wonder what the recipe is to get them get them on the racetrack but um let's let i you know this this sort of feels like a time when you know we could actually look back across the years a little bit because you're kind of in a place where it doesn't sound like you're in any hurry to stop racing but you really can't you're probably at a point where what you're doing now it sounds like is you know what you're going to continue to do for as long as you can um and as long as you know your dad 
um, and Scott are, um, you know, are willing to help out and you, you have the availability. Um, when you look back, I mean, I think probably there are people who will listen to this who have no idea, for example, that you were racing Mod Lights as a teenager, but you were also on the board of directors of that club. I mean, when you look back at your career, I mean, could you have sort of pictured yourself being able to accomplish all the things that you have? <laughs> well, I've been fortunate. Like I said, a lot of this has to be based around the people that I've had working on this stuff and the people I've had mentoring me. I've had, you know, Brian Sobis, I've had Russ Brown, I've had, uh, you know, Tom Osler who got me started. And then of course my dad is hundred percent dedicated to this. And that's, you just can't do it without that. Uh, and, and that's, I think emphasized by the fact that we're, we've struggled more in recent years because we've lost some of those resources. So to answer your question, though, to look back on it at the beginning, uh, you, you start to add things up, and I realize how fortunate and lucky and blessed I am to have had the career so far that I've had, um, knowing that I may be towards the back end of it. Uh, you know, I hope not necessarily, but, um, you know, I am I am satisfied to look back and see what we've been able to do. And I wouldn't say I'm surprised because I've had confidence in myself and I've had confidence in the ability of the people around me. But um, I am I am very fortunate. I do recognize that. And, you know, I hope moving forward we can continue to do this a while. Well, <clears throat> and you and your dad, I mean, your dad's been building cars for a number of years and been very successful. And that's another thing that I you know, that I look at with you, um, you know, when even in the Mog Light, your dad started building those, you won in a Mog Light your dad built. Others have won in a Mog Light that your dad has built, um, built mic rods, won in those. Um, and then, you know, you guys built uh, a a small block limited, whatever it was then when you built it. Uh, it um, and, and you went out and was it your first race or second race out? You won in the thing. I mean, it didn't take you very long to, to win in your dad's chassis. Um, I mean, like you say, you know, a lot of this is making memories. I mean, that's not something everybody gets to do. No, it was the first race out. That that's was, what I thought. Uh, <laughs> I forget about that. But no, I mean, I'm, I'm very, you know, on the, on the plane ride back home, it was very uh, serene, you know, just to, to think about what we've been able to do, especially, you know, uh, you know, back to humble beginnings, sort of, when I got out of the car and looked over my shoulder and, and nobody was there yeah. yet. Yeah. You know, was, I, uh, I kind of chuckled to myself. Uh, I said, you know, and I was, I was content. I said, that's fine. You know, I'm happy that I'm here and I'm happy with what we've done. And, um, you know, moving forward, it would be ideal, you know, if I could drive for someone or somebody would want to get together and do a package deal in the small blocks. Uh, obviously, that makes it easier. We could offload some of our knowledge and, and efforts and, um, you know, try to team up, and it would just make things a lot easier. But I recognize that, you know, that's got its own challenges too. So, um, you know, I'm happy to do this for as long as I can and, and hopefully, like I said, try to help somebody else out and, and kind of pass the torch because I was very, very fortunate someone did that for me. So are you saying there could be a time when you might get out of the driving, uh, get out of the seat and put somebody else in it? I don't know that I would put somebody else in it. I'd have to be really the right situation um, just because it's difficult for me. If I'm going to spend all my time and money to go up there um, and it's something I own, I'm just going to run it you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, until I don't want to do it. But, 
you know, you know, if I can or I, I don't, I recognize I don't have the talent anymore or, um, you know, whatever circumstances arise that for whatever reason I'm not, then, yeah, I want to help someone. Or even if I am racing, I mean, Russ was out there uh, blowing the doors off me while he was helping me. So, I mean, you can, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you can do that at the same time for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, that's just how that goes. What's the uh, what's the old phrase? I taught you everything you know, but not everything I know, uh, kind of thing. And I think that's probably uh, how Russ looks at it with you. Yeah, it depends on the Russism you want to choose. He always used to tell me that uh, the right side of my car doesn't have any decals on it because he's gone by me too many times. That was one of the favorite <laughs> ones. Um, you know, never uh, never admit that you know something that you screwed up. Just always say something broke. Yeah, <laughs> this is another good Russism. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, he was always a, a huge help, uh, from the driver's seat. So, yeah, he came out last year and gotten, I think it was Pisa's car or whatever, and looked like he'd never left. So, uh, the, the old fart still got it when he wants to jump back in the seat. Yeah. He's, he's still, uh, he's still at it. I think, I don't know if we'll see him back in a car or not, but, um, I hope so. Cause he's fun to watch. I mean, he's, he is. people don't realize he looks nuts from the stands, but when you're behind him in a car, it's just something different but well no he's definitely nuts but that doesn't mean he's not fun to watch right that's (laughs) you know but uh yeah i mean it's and it is interesting you talk about the competition and the division i mean we you know we we know that when mike bond shows up you know he's he he's just got something nobody else has um and then um you know the the past couple of years danny Kay. And and that team just hit on something, and it's it's almost it was almost impossible for anybody to keep up with them. And this year, we just haven't quite seen that person emerge. And I kind of like that. It's nice to go into um, a race night and feel like it's kind of a toss up. I think obviously Noah's been close but he's not to the point where he's so good that you know he's going to win. He's still having to figure out a way to win, even though he's, you know, probably the most consistent of everybody. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously there's, I I believe there's a family connection there between uh, Danny Kaye's car owner and Mike Bond, and I'm sure whatever they've done their homework on and come up with, maybe they've exchanged some notes on that, but, you know, they, they put the work in and they're yeah. reaping the rewards from yep, that for sure. And, and that's how that goes. Uh, but from a driver's perspective, you want to beat the best, but it is nice. Um, you know, when everybody's close together, obviously for the fans and, and, and for the, um, you know, for, for the sport itself too. And I, I think that, uh, this year has been fun from that approach and that when you go out there, you've had what you had Greg's want to race. I think I've won a race. Uh, what's his name showed up last weekend, uh, the 37, he won a race. Yeah. So it has truly been Jesse. spread out. Yeah. Jesse, Jesse bear yep. And, and it hasn't been, I don't think anybody's won by more than a half a straightaway so far. So, and, uh, you know, that's good. That, that makes it fun. I mean, I had a lot of obviously more fun than Noah had last weekend, but, um, <laughs> It was fun to go back and forth and pass cars and not have the race, you know, just be single file. And and that's why I've advocated for the tire situation. But, um, yeah, we're having fun. Noah's eaten enough pizza and wings from finishing second over the last couple of years. He ought to be the size of a house by now. But, um, you know, I'm sure he'll be happy when he finally stops getting that up-and-comer award um, and uh, and ends up being able to uh, to collect the checkered flag. And we know it's coming. It's just a matter of, 
of when, but um, you know, it's it is fun to uh, to see the competition, and and a guy like Jesse Barrett also has been racing for a long time, and and has been able to sort of go away, come back, go away, come back, and um, maintain his competitive level and been able to to put a couple of wins behind him so um you know that's uh that should be a good omen for you that maybe there's another win or two coming this year i certainly hope so uh we gotta get the car better than it was because i'm not going to hold off you know everyone with it but we think we found some some of the problems that were causing some of the issues that we were having the other night i i, re- I started off just ungodly tight uh, when I was behind Pascuzzi, and then when we had that red flag for uh, Tony DeStevens there, yeah. it's just something happened, and it went deathly loose. The tires cooled off, and it went the other direction. But we found a couple of problems uh, that I'm not going to identify, but um, I think we'll get those corrected and be where we need to be to at least be more stable. You know, cause that, The car has at least got to be predictable, and it wasn't very predictable the other night, but it was good enough to pass, and that's usually all I need, so... Um, yeah, we'll see. You've never been shy about running the top. Um, I mean, without giving away any secrets that anybody can adapt, what, I mean, what's, you know, what has been the thing for you with running the outside? Cause that's, I mean, you and Sobis are two of the only drivers I've seen in that division that can do it, have been able to do it over the years on a really consistent basis and make it work. Yeah, well, I'd say there's two things. One is confidence. I mean, it's a very, very, very uncomfortable feeling, especially lately. The track's been very dirty, and so it's a fine line up there. Um, you just got to have a lot of confidence that what you have for a package in the car is going to work. And then uh, a lot of character-building exercise from Russ over the years. To, <laughs> yeah, well, he's another one, too, yeah. Yeah, forced me to get up there. Um, but <laughs> it's very easy to screw it up. I mean, it, it, and when you do, and you just see what happens, you know, you just take off and you yeah. lose two or three spots. So um, you just got to have confidence in the car and know ex- there is a technique to it for sure. Uh, and, and then just have a lot of trust. I mean, the first car I passed the other night, I almost walled it. I went back and looked at the... Uh, flow racing video and I, I can't remember which one of the rookies it was but he didn't quite see me up there and i came down the front stretch with the dust in the air and i said "Ooh, that was close to the, <laughs> the car but that's just how it is you're on the edge up there it's uh it's it's fun to watch though and uh and i and i love uh seeing a driver that's not afraid and we've seen it across you know the divisions of Oswego over the years um and you've been one of them in the uh that division that that certainly has has had no fear of trying it and has been, you know, arguably pretty successful in in making it work. Now, um, you know, you seem to be content doing what you're doing. Um, there is the 350 division now. Do you have any desire at this point to, you know, to to maybe do something with with that? I mean, it seems like the big blocks probably for you are a bit out of reach unless somebody offers you something, but um is a 350 i mean shoot your dad could probably build one of those <laughs> yeah i think <laughs> i have no doubt he could build one i i don't think he wants to <laughs> but it's uh i think that at this point in my career we're we found what we're pretty good at and if we were to do the 350 i would be interested but it'd have to be in a situation where we develop some type of relationship with somebody else that already has the knowledge for them cars. And yeah. I don't have the team 
or the personnel to go out there and try to learn um, obviously what a challenge it is. I mean, and look at a case in point for this, a good case study is Dave Cliff. I mean, Dave is one of the best drivers I've ever been around. Yes. He's phenomenal. Yep. And he's just really struggling to get it dialed in there in the 350s. And that I don't see as any reflection of who he is as a driver. Not it's at just, all. You're, you're just relearning something. And, um, you know, for the amount of times that I go up there every year, I'm not, I don't want to go run, you know, four or five seconds off the pace. Not that Dave is, but I would probably be four or five seconds off the pace <laughs> uh, trying to get things figured out if I'm only going there two times a year, three times a year. So I, I, I think that it would have to be with the right situation. Yeah, it's interesting to to contemplate that. All right, so let's let's talk about your your regular job for a bit because I think some I think the fans would be interested in knowing what I mean, you came out of college and went to work for um a brake company and you ended up getting a patent. Talk, can, what can you talk about about the patent and then talk about kind of your career um now cuz you've changed companies and I think you've I think you've actually gotten a promotion with the new company already. Yes. So when I came down here, I wanted to get into the motorsports world and NASCAR and all that. And it became clear uh, I was going to have to give up what I was doing on a personal racing level to be able to chase that dream. And I just wasn't ready to do that. So I made a decision to go into regular engineering. And I was fortunate enough to be on the design team uh, where basically we had patents for uh, basically a brake monitoring system for trains. And wow. then it was a software program that could detect like brake issues. So uh, that was them too. Um, did that for 10 years, really enjoyed it. Uh, but then needed a new challenge, I think. So I went into more of a project management and design role in medical, uh, like systems and devices. Oh. So that's where I'm at now. And the commute is terrible because I got to go into Rock Hill every day. Uh, oh, but, yuck. Yeah. Uh, there's worse things. So it's <laughs> honestly, it's, it's more dangerous on 45 than it is in, in Oswego on the first lap, no doubt. <laughs> Um, but I love what I do. Uh, it's challenging. I feel like I'm challenged every day. I'm tired when I come home and that's, you know, I'm kind of a high, high motor guy. So I need that. Uh, and then I get to, to go do this stuff on the weekend, the racing. So it's, it's keeping me busy. Well, um, certainly excited to see you back in victory lane and, uh, you and I are both NFL fans and I think both of us feel like, uh, We've got great quarterbacks on our team now that Aaron Rodgers has signed with the Jets. And so maybe you'll, uh, the last time you signed a Green Bay quarterback, you got close, but you didn't get all the way there. So maybe this one will take you over the top. Yeah, I figure if I win, you know, two, three more races and then the Jets win the Super Bowl, then I'm going to be convinced that this isn't just a simulation that I'm stuck in. <laughs> um, but it would be. It would be rewarding, I'll tell you that, to, to be able to see the Jets just make the playoffs. I'll, I'll settle for that. Yeah, <clears throat> well, you've got a good shot at it for sure with Aaron, and uh, hopefully the rest of the team stays healthy and, and you know, and uh, your offensive coordinator doesn't uh, suck as bad as he did with the Broncos head coaching last year. Uh, so <laughs> that's going to be the, the tough part there. But uh, I know you don't do all this by yourself, um, and I know that especially for you, um, you've got to so much rely on other people to kind of make your program happen because you're not up there every day to, to do all the work. So go ahead and, and uh, thank who you need to. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously since day one, it's been my mother and my dad, uh, you know, been very supportive and encouraged me to continue to do what I love and, and to make sure that I can do that. And 
you know, that's what makes it fun. You know, I think about that a lot. I don't know how, if I would enjoy it as much if I didn't get to do it with my dad and I didn't get to, you know, talk about it with my mother and my family and all that. And I got a very, very supportive fiance. Uh, she always tells me to chase what I love, and I'm very fortunate with that. You know, things are on lockdown down here when I have to leave. Um, you know, and then, of course, over the years, we've had Arnold's Family Restaurant support us, keep us well-fed and, and keep us uh, up to speed. And uh, East Coast Customs uh, in Weedsport or out of Port Byron it's helped us out quite a bit here these last couple of years. Uh, and, and honestly, just the amount of people that have – supported us as a family at Oswego. Russ has helped us, Ray Hedger. Brian Sobis was huge these last couple of years. We haven't been able to do what we did without him. Uh, you know, and, and the shout out to the people that don't, people don't realize how much of a family it is when you, when you blow a tire and, you know, six teams come running when you got to pull in the pits. And, and that's why I do enjoy Oswego. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate for that. Very fortunate to be at a track where the safety crew is just second to none. The best. Yes. Um, you know, there's been a lot of accidents, and I've been still rolling, and they're driving next to me. Um, they just the response time is incredible. Uh, you know, just very fortunate, very blessed, and very fortunate to be able to do this for as long as I have. Well, um, you're not done yet, and uh, I know there's still more wins in you. Just got to be obviously the right situation, the right circumstance, and hopefully, like you said, you found some of the uh, the bugs and got rid of them. So maybe um, going forward here this season you'll be able to be even more of a threat to win on a regular basis. How much of the rest of the season are you actually going to be able to compete in at Oswego? Uh, I think we're going to maybe run one more and then classic. And then depending on how things work out, maybe in uh, after season out of towner, but it's, it's probably two more. It's a tough year for me. I got uh, obviously my own wedding, and then I got a lot of uh, family weddings just happened to be spiraled in on the uh, the same year. So I'm trying to balance life with my hobby and my job, and as we all get older and I'll get more sore in the morning, that can become harder. Yeah, so, yeah definitely. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I think we'll probably have uh, two more. The one thing I was laughing about the other day is I got out of bed and I was – just exhausted. I, I remember I used to get up at you know five thirty in the morning and bounce onto a flight and fly home and then go mow the lawn and do all that. And I just I got on the flight. I was exhausted. I slept. I slept when I got back. <laughs> I gotta get used to this again. So. Well, um, look forward to seeing you uh, on the track whenever you can be, and uh, wish you the best the rest of the season. Thanks for taking some time to catch up with us on the groove and congratulations again on what I know is a very, very uh, kind of emotional and uh, special win for you the other night. Thank you. And hopefully it won't be six years again. Our goal is to cut that at least uh, in half here. So <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it'll be another one this year at least. So uh, maybe you'll get another classic to add to your resume if you can talk Mike Bond out of racing it. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, that's Andrew Shartner back with what's in a number right after this. <laughs> It's time now for What's in a Number. And again, if this is your first show, this is something we started back in episode number 36. I thought it would be fun to take the episode number of the show and to talk about and reflect on what the 
highlights and significance of that particular number was in a Swiggle Speedway and Super Modified history. So we started with a number 36, went to 99. Um, I kind of thought I was done. Um, our super fan, Robert Metcalf, who we are still praying for and who still, I believe, needs help with uh, his GoFundMe, by the way. Um, medical expenses still there, folks. If you can go and um, I know it's a tough time for everybody. We're all feeling the uh, the crunch here these days, but um, GoFundMe is still operating and more is still needed for Robert and, and praying for him every day. So um, hope that um, Robert will uh, enjoy this show. And uh, but this was we got to 99 and Robert says, well, gosh, you why don't why don't you do a double zero and then, you know, get to 09 and go to one you know, one to 35. So you get all the numbers. I was like, well, you know, I probably should. So for a while we had to do double numbers and now we're back to single numbers and, um, much easier for me. And so let's look at the number 21. Now here's the interesting thing about this. I, again, I remind, I have to remind everybody, remind you, cause we have new listeners every week that, um, I started going in 1973. So this is, my this is my 50th anniversary now there have been a couple years where i haven't been at the track here recently um and that sucks but it is what it is um life takes on the form that it does but um i i've rarely missed a race because i've always been able to thank god for video um i've always been able to watch when I haven't been able to attend. So there aren't too many that I miss, but there are a number of them back in the eighties. I think it was the 86 season where I was actually playing in a band up there on Saturday nights and Friday and Saturday. Um, it was at a place in Pulaski that I don't know if it's even there anymore. It was called the gold mine. And gosh, I don't remember the gentleman's name now that, that owned it. I think it was Steve green. I want to say he was awesome to work with and it was a great band. We were a country rock band, a lot of fun. Um, and he, you know, I would, we would play the gig two nights a week. Had a, It didn't look like much from the outside, but you got in there and he had a place in the back that actually had a good sized dance floor and a decent sized stage. Like it was, it was deceiving. So long story short, um, I would on Saturday nights, I would drive, obviously I have to go by the track to go to, um, Pulas that wasn't Pulaski. I think it was, I can't remember, um, Port Ontario, maybe I think that's where it was, but anyways, had to drive by the track. So I would always go and I would watch the heats and then I leave and go to the gig. And that, that was all I was thinking about was the racetrack. So that was interesting because that was a point in my life when I realized what was more important music or um so those i missed a lot of the 86 season um and and since those really weren't you know you weren't seeing the online videos at that point we hadn't gotten there um you know there's a big void there that i hate now but you know again life takes us all in different directions so anyways um when i started going in 73 i was trying to think about 
the number 21, and in my head, I'm not collecting a 21 that raced at the track in 1973. Now, uh, again, I think the the 60s, it's hard unless, you know, there was... I, I know a lot about the 60s. I also don't know a lot. 50s, forget it. Not even... I don't even try. Uh, <laughs> just not... Uh, um, not that much of a historian, but the, the sixties, I do my best. I don't, the, the first 21 that I think about, I think was maybe did rat lane run a 21 rear engine car in the early seventies. Um, I don't recall rat running in 73. So this may have been, you know, before that now, um, the, in, in his rear engine might've been three, but for some reason I'm putting him in a 21 rear engine car. I could be completely wrong in that. Um, the first 21 that I remember was in 1974, the Tobin, it was Tobin Dietrich Roadster then Jack Tobin and oh gosh, what was uh, what was Mr. Dietrich's first name? I don't remember. Um, but they, I think they were partners because I always remember being the Tobin Dietrich car. Ronnie Madison, I think, ran it in 73 as the 80. And I don't know, I seem to recall that that car might have been an Indy car that was converted, but I'm not sure. Um, or a USAC car or something. But um, in 1974, Chuck Siprich drove it. Now, this is where there is, um, this is where I mentioned at the top of the show that I, I have a story about the 21, and this is where this comes in. And I, um, I don't, Again, if this is your first time listening, I do not research this. The design for me of this or the fun of it is I do this segment out of my head. So invariably I miss something. And then, you know, Larry Trinker, one of our other super fans has to jump in and um, fill fill in the blanks. And sometimes um, it's holy cow. I didn't know that. And sometimes it's I can't believe that I, you know, um, so it's not always embarrassing, but that's OK. Um, you know, I. My my brain doesn't work as well as it used to. So it, it's just bad when you miss a guy like Jack Patrick who's racing today. That's <laughs> but it's whatever happens on the night. Uh, so here's the story. So I believe it was Classic Weekend 1974, but it could have been 75 maybe. Um. At some point in the, you know, 74, 75, I don't think it was after 75, but again, it could have been. Um, I remember Mr. Dietrich's wife, I believe, and maybe her name was Alice. Um, she actually wrote a song that she performed 
during the pre-race part of Classic Week, at one point in the in the like I said, seventy-four. I know it, it it wasn't seventy-three because I didn't go to the Classic in seventy-three, so um I wouldn't have obviously seen it if it was. I watched it in person, so it had to be seventy-four because that was my first Classic, either there or seventy-five. But somewhere along in that period of the seventies, she wrote a song, and I think the song was called something like the Ballad of Swifty. And and she she had a guitar and you know they set up a microphone and she actually performed this song in front of the crowd. And um this stands out because it 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 um it, it, she mentioned Jimmy Champagne and and there was a lyric in there that um that that's I think it said something like along came a kid named Champagne, um, and 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 I I don't remember most of the other lyrics, but I just thought it was the coolest thing that this this woman would write a song about a Swigo Speedway and the Supers. I just thought that it, you know as I was whatever seven six, seven years old. I, that was the coolest thing for me to, to, to hear that. And, um, I thought that was fun. And I, and, and I say the story is incomplete because somebody may remember, um, more about it than I do. And may, re, may, somebody may even remember the lyrics, but, um, it was, uh, it was really cool. And I, I thought that was fun. But to start off the 21 driver conversation, we go back to Chuck Siprich and we we did a tribute to Chuck. He passed away recently. We did a tribute to Chuck in one of our um, most recent shows. So if you did not hear that, um, you can just go back, uh, go to um, steeringwheelnation.com, go to steeringwheelnation.com and you can... Uh, on the on the homepage, right there on the homepage, just scroll down. You'll find the Inside Groove player. Just click on the underneath the the current show. They'll have you know the past shows. Just click there, and it'll open it up, and you'll be able to scroll down and and listen to the um, listen to that show. And it was a great show. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about Chuck because we've done that, but. Um, he that was I I think that that's I mean he started his career in seventy three in the Dunning in ninety but I think the twenty one is kind of where, um, where Chuck kind of took the first step, uh, in his career that was a good car and drove for him for a couple of years and um, that kind of established Chuck as a competitive super modified driver, at Oswego um once Chuck left which was at the end of 75, I do believe. In 76, if I remember correctly, Dick Batchelder stepped in. And Batch ran for a couple of years, 76, and then 77. Um, but before the 77 Classic, if I remember correctly, he and Jack Tobin, who somewhere along the way, Dietrich 
went out of the picture. I don't know exactly what there probably was a buyout or whatever, but um, it was just Jack Tobin, I think, that owned the car at that point. And uh, Jack and Dick split, went their separate ways, and Mark Letcher, I believe, drove the car to a nice run. He was like sixth or seventh, I think, in the classic with that car. And um, Mark could drive anything, drive it well. Um, so Mark, Mark ran it very briefly and might have, he might have, I can't remember, he might have started 78 in it. And um, then Bobby Stelder took over at some point. Now, I was trying to think in my head if there was anybody between Letcher and Stelter, and, and I can't can't place anybody else in it at Oswego. Stelter drove it, finished 78, and he might have actually run it again in 79 for a bit, but then there, then he went to the 04 for 1980 uh, to replace Jim Cheney. Now, this is sort of, again, how things work sometimes. In 1979, it was announced that Jack Tobin was building a new car for Bobby Stelder. And the Jim Delucian, John Pilata, and the Solvay crew are building a new car for Jim Cheney. And I thought, well, that's great because I liked both drivers. It was, you know, they both still had the eight-inch offset and thought, well, that'll be, that'll be fun to see, you know, to see them in new equipment and kind of have what everybody else has. Well, uh, as it happens... By the end of 79, I think, Jim Cheney was out of the 04 and for 1980, and Bob Stelder ended up in it. Well, so Stelder got the new car that Cheney was supposed to have. And, um, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm just re- basically reciting facts here. Not, not, you know, I have no idea why they split or why Jim didn't stick around or whatever, but Bobby ended up back in the 04, got the offset car for 1980 and won his, what would be his last feature win ever at Oswego in that car. Um, and I don't know, maybe it was, uh, I don't think it was opening day. I think Bentley won. I think Bentley won opening day in 1980, but, but um, I, it was early in the season that Bob won. Um, and, and so the new 21 that was supposed to be for Stelter ended up going to Jamie Moore. So Jamie became Tobin's next driver and boy, Jamie just, you know, again, sometimes you just get snake bit. Like, um, there are drivers that, oh boy, I wish they would have wanted a Swigo. And it just never happened. Jamie ended up doing it, but not till later. He didn't win in the Tobin car. And it I just so badly wanted to see, you know, wanted to see that happen for him. Um, 
just didn't happen right away. And then, like I said, later on, I think the first time he won, he was driving for Al Aronic in the 26 car. And that might've been actually in 1986. If I remember right, that might've been one of those. Cause I missed that win. And then he won a race in his own car, I think too, in the 40, but, um, yeah, Jamie never got it done, but boy, he was fast. And that car was beautiful. The color scheme on that car and the design of that car, just absolutely beautiful. Jamie ran that for, Gosh, here's this is where time condenses. Jamie ran it for, I think, maybe three years, two years, three years. Well, three years, I think, because he either ran it 382 or 383. I can't remember. And um, then I believe Gary Albritton was the next driver in that car. And again, right along here, since I've started this conversation, it's been all about one car owner. I mean, Tobin had Dietrich as a partner for a little bit or whatever, but it's all been about that that team up, up to now with the 21. So after Jamie moved on, it was Gary Albritton that took over and Gary ran it for, geez, probably again, two, three years. And then... Uh, and they had bought a Graves car, I think, by then. And Gary drove that. And then Gary um, and then Mike Ordway ended up driving. And I think that Mike was the last driver that Tobin had before he sold out. So that would put... That would put it somewhere around 87, maybe 88, perhaps. Because let's see, did Mike leave that car and go? I think that's what happened. I think, I think they, I think Mike left. Was it that car that Mike got out of? No, Um, Mike had driven for, yeah, I think it was actually. I'm trying to think because Mike, at some point, let's see, Warren Conium left Clyde in 87 and Mike, okay, so Mike would have been out of the 21, so somewhere around 86 might have been the last year for Jack Tobin as a car owner in the 21. And so um, once he got out as a car owner, and again, it may have been a bit later than that, but I, cause I think Gary did, Gary may, may have been his last driver. Gary might've gotten back in it after Mike left. But once, um, Jack got out of racing, then, um, and this is, see, this is where it gets murky. Cause it always is in, in, in the nineties. I start kind of, um, the next number 21 that rings a bell with me. And I don't even know what year we're into by now. Um, which is why I know that Larry's going to, Larry's going to stump me on this one. Um, or somebody will, there had to have been another 21. That was, it wasn't a, like a regularly used number. I don't think necessarily, but it was certainly more prominent. than I think I'm going to make it. 
The next one I remember is Skip McKenzie. And I don't even know what year that would have been. <laughs> um, but Skip, I believe, and I think he was from Canada. Now, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what car that was uh, that he had. But whatever car that it was, Skip had, that was, and I think he only had one car because I don't think he raced very long. But that was the car that got into a wreck on the backstretch and the motor came out of the car and ended up further down the racetrack. I don't, I, I'm trying to remember if that was a stuck throttle or a tire or a, 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 I don't think he flipped the car. He obviously he hit the wall hard. I think I don't remember the circumstances there, but I remember that being a violent deal. The motor came right out of the car and boy, um, where did we go from there with the number 21? Have we had see again, this is where I'm going to get burned. Um, I don't, if we had a 21 up to, um, obviously we have the 350, which is Ryan battle, but I don't, I don't know that we've had a super modified 21 in a while. It's, um, that number was Jack Tobin's for the longest time. And somewhere in there, I know that at one point there was a car that Chet Phillip drove as the number 21 Chet was a driver. This again, this goes back to the, to the seventies when rear engine cars were still legal. Chet had, um, I think a couple different, uh, bill height cars. Chet was from Texas. Um, and he was a shoe that young man could drive a race car, uh, went to Indy with a, what, what they called a stock block. It was, uh, gosh, what was the, oh man, I can't remember the name of the team. Um, but, um, beautiful car was a beautiful car, but it was a stock block. Chet ran some Indy races, just was a good shoe. Um, but when he came to Oswego, I think he was 24. I seem to remember him being 24, which would have been, um, because obviously Tobin had the 21. So, um, man, I, 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 gosh, I, I have a feel, like I said, I have a feeling I'm missing some here, but, uh, sometimes I do better than others. But when we get into the, um, later eighties, nineties, and then into the early two thousands, I, you know, again, when you're, when you're not there every week and you're not sort of talking to the drivers and you're kind of not in the middle of it. I think you watch it and you retain some things, but not as much. So the recall doesn't come back as quick. And that's where I have trouble sometimes um, with, you know, with, uh, with that. For example, um, with the number 20 last week, Larry Trinker posted, and that's the idea. If I miss something, I, I'm trying to start conversation here. It's fun to, to see people post in the comments and fill in the blanks and all that. And um, Larry Trinka threw out that um, Bobby Santos drove the number 20. Um, and I didn't even 
remember that Bobby was the 20 for Mike Muldoon, and he that was the classic where he finished second to Furlong, and they crashed coming to the line. And I, that didn't occur to me that that was the 20. I was thinking 50 for whatever reason. But there again, like I said, Mike had drivers in different cars, and sometimes, I mean, I think Bentley drove the 50 once, the 80 once, and, you know, you just have, um, it was kind of, kind of a round robin there. So, um, I didn't remember that, but then, um, I think it was Robert who basically, um, won game set match because he recalled that the little deuce one night ran as the 20. Now that I had no idea. And of course that was in the sixties. So I probably wasn't even born yet when that happened, but my goodness gracious, um, way to go, way to go, Robert. Uh, and I think there was even some evidence like a photo or something there. I, I don't remember, but I remember the, seeing the, the comment about it. Uh, Robert, um, that was, that may have been the, the obscure fact of the entire year to date, uh, that, um, that that happened. So, um, that's all I can come up with for, um, 21 watch somebody's racing it now. And I'm just not totally not thinking about it, but I just, uh, that's a number that I always associate with Tobin and, and boy, the drivers he had in his cars. It's, it's amazing that, um, he never got to victory lane in a feature at Oswego and it, and it with, 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 um, with the, the seventies cars that he had, I do think Gary Albritton won. I think maybe, or I think Gary won. Um, I think Gary won a race or two for him. And I, I think maybe Ordway did, did he? Um, I don't know. Now that I think about it, I'm not even sure Gary did, but boy, I want to say that he did. Um, I mean, that team was, that was a phenomenal team. And like I said, the caliber of drivers that he had in his cars was amazing when you think about it. I mean, you know, Ronnie Madison doesn't get the respect that I think he deserves as a racer. He was not in a lot of great equipment to be running for wins, but Ronnie could drive a car. And then you go from him to Chuck Siprich early in Chuck's career and then you get to um, Mark Letcher, or sorry, Dick Batchelder. Um, and Dick was a great driver. And at that time, I don't know, maybe that they didn't have the motor program that they needed. Again, that was so much of it back in that era, right? You you know, the car was, the the car would be there, but a lot of the guys just couldn't afford the horsepower that, you know, Jimmy and, you know, whoever had and um you know it's a big enough track where that matters right so um i think that might have been it when dick was in the car and then mark letcher again never will get the respect that i think he deserves as a racer um but you know bobby stelter jamie moore gary Albritton, mike ordway i mean holy cow like that it you know you think about some of these team owners like that and the caliber of drivers that raced for them over the course of the years and um 
you know, it's just really amazing to, to think about. And even, you know, that works with some drivers too. I mean, you know, you think about Warren Conium and all of them, you know, I mean, you know, Carl Rutledge, Howard Purdy with the dues kept to dates, the, the Salveo Ford, Dolan Swift for a night, Jimmy Champagne, um, you know, Clyde Booth a couple times, Dave McKnight, uh, Joe McGarry, of course, won the classic for him. I mean, you know, you think about drivers, you know, it was, it's just amazing to look back. Um, so 21 is Jack Tobin's number, but so hopefully, um, hopefully somebody can fill in some more of the detail on, um, Mrs. Dietrich's performance of that song. Cause I, that was really cool and not something that you see every day at a racetrack, something like that. So that was, that was neat. Um, especially back in that time period. Okay. So that brings us to a close. Want to say thank you to our sponsors as always really appreciate Jeff West and, uh, the folks from IPC Indy, of course, um, skips fish fry and LaGroff's pub, um, two of the best sources of great food and great times, um, especially the pub for great times, obviously. Um, so, uh, Sean Cathcart and his staff food prepared with care. So please do support them. And of course, um, can't forget Rich Worth and JNS paving the, um, Mozart of Macadam. So if you need a, a paved job, call Rich. If you need something built, engineered, call Jeff. And if you just want some really good food, now Skip's Fish Fry, obviously the downtown location is closed, but their, their truck is out and about all summer. So keep up with Skip's Fish Fry on Facebook and skipsfishfry.com. And of course, um, go to a Groff's Pub um, when you want something to eat or just want to spend uh, a day watching the games or shooting darts. Uh, LaGroff's Pub is there. So please do support those who support racing and uh, those who support the show. They are all friends that I consider myself blessed to have. And uh, thank you to every one of them. And thank you to all of you who listen. And we'll wrap it up there. Again, round two of the Wing Challenge Series coming up this weekend at the Oswego Speedway. And, uh, of course, the other two divisions in action as well. We'll be back next week with episode 122, and that will be fun of the Inside Groove. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. Have a safe and blessed racing weekend. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.